Thank you for joining the Ashley Webster Experience alongside producer. We're actually going to give him a promotion today. Executive oh, wow. producer. <laughs> Brian it's my Solomon. lucky day. Yeah, well done, Brian. Congratulations. No extra pay, by the way. Oh, good. Um, but an extra pat on the back. And joining us today, I'm very happy to announce, is Kaylee McEnany. She is the spokesperson for the Republican National Committee. You've seen her across all of the Fox TV programming. You've seen her in lots of places. Kaylee, welcome to the show and the podcast. Thank you for being here. Great to join you, as always. Um, you're always such a positive person. You always have a radiant smile. Um, and you often do that in the face of a lot of anger out there. You are representing the the Republican Party, the National Committee, and this is such a time of anger in politics. Uh, You took the position, as you were saying, almost a year ago now. How would you characterize that year? It's been a great year. You know, I was nervous heading into the swamp, didn't know what to expect, but uh, man, it's been great. And over at the RNC, uh, we just have such a positive environment there. It's exciting. Every day we go in, every person enjoys working. And it's great because I always talk about the Democrats being the party of negativity, and it's quite the opposite over at the RNC. We're all happy to be there. It's a very cheery place. Now, you at one point were one of the conservative uh, commentators on CNN. So that must have been like, you know, (laughs) an edition of Survivor, right? You were over there (laughs) trying to always put out the counterpoint while getting shouted down by those on the other side of, well, you know, the political aisle. How was that? It was uh, fun, those eight-on-one panels, uh, trying to get a word in edgewise while being screamed at and berated by eight people, uh, leftist commentators. I would include the host among those. Uh, so it, it was quite an experience. Uh, it was a lesson in learning to be calm. And for me, I actually, one of my, my heroes and mentors was Alan Combs, yeah. the late Alan Combs uh, yes. here at Fox. And he used to send me texts and messages and say, hey, Kaylee, remember when you're on those CNN panels, don't fight fire with fire, fight fire with water. So every time I would feel myself getting heated or hot under the collar, I would think of Alan Combs and his wise words. So your job at the RNC is basically to be the face of the RNC. Does it involve fundraising? Does it involve many different activities? So the chairwoman is the one who's doing our fundraising. She's remarkable. Chairwoman McDaniel, she's a mother, family still in Michigan. She crisscrosses the country. She has thousands and thousands of air miles because she's um, (laughs) always out there getting donations and breaking records, by the way. So for me, you know, it's I'm out there doing the media, putting out uh, the the voice of the Republican Party and on radio and TV, and um, it keeps us pretty busy. We have a lot high demand. Now, with a president like Donald Trump, he's not your typical politician, and you can argue that's why he got elected president. You know, draining the swamp was the message. He had a very strong platform as he was running. He just establishment politics went out of the window. Now, with that, of course, comes the issues of what is this guy doing? Those that are used to establishment and used to the politicians doing things in a certain way. How has it been for you to respond to some of the criticism out there on the way he conducts himself? You know, I've Good training ground over at CNN. You responded to just about every question you could imagine. So, you know, it's um, I've become quite, uh, I guess, skilled at it because by virtue of just having to be under so much fire uh, at CNN. But, you know, as I was, would always point out to my colleagues, and boy, was it interesting election night watching all of their faces and, and on that set as they saw Trump become president. Um, but I would always say to them, you know, the, the Americans don't want a mannequin politician. They don't want someone reading off a teleprompter. They 
are sick of it. They want someone who's authentic, who says what he means and believes and is just authentic, you know, spur of the moment. And that's what this president is. And, and he won. He pulled it off. I, I always remember SNL, the great sketches. They did one of uh, President Obama because at the time when he became president, he was always reading off a teleprompter to your point. And they had this mm-hmm. sketch where there were, you know, the Obamas were at, uh, at the breakfast table and he'd be talking to his kids and wife, but it was off teleprompter. So yeah. Yeah. he's very he was very robotic. And I think people wanted someone that they can relate to that wasn't always had to read something prepared. It was more of a conversation with him. Exactly. Now, I want to talk also about the populist uh, movement. I I was in the UK covering the Brexit uh, vote, and I remember going up to the day of the vote. Those, and of course, if you stay in London, you believe that everybody believes that the EU is the greatest thing in the world, and you're racist and everything else if you believe we should leave the EU. So uh, it was so the similarity between what happened with Brexit and the fact that it was approved and the shock thereafter from the establishment and the, the election of Donald Trump, the parallels were remarkable. And it was about self-control. It was about taking control of our sovereignty, our borders, and not being dictated to by people who didn't perhaps have our best interests at heart. And I really felt that Donald Trump and Brexit are so closely aligned. There's no doubt. And in fact, uh, in President Trump's last speech before the vote, he Mm. said it's going to be a Brexit plus, plus, plus. I mean, he knew it. He saw the parallels. And I I would, you know, recite that to my CNN colleagues who who didn't see it on the horizon. But Brexit was a wake up call. It was this moment where you realize that voters don't want to talk to pollsters. They don't want to share who they support, what they believe. They don't trust pollsters, just like they don't trust establishments. They don't trust institutions. Uh, So the polls were wrong. They were wrong in the UK. They were wrong in the US. And the parallel, I mean, it was striking. This was really a worldwide kind of takeover of of the people taking their governments back. Yeah, and we're seeing it elsewhere too, in in, in Italy and and, and elsewhere, where the uh, the people saying, wait a minute, what about our voice? Which brings me to your book. uh, It's called The New American Revolution, The Making of a Populist Movement. And for this book, if I understand right, you cross the country talking to people, those that people, I guess we, we say rather dismissively in the flyover states that are not living with the elites on each coast. Um, and they really felt as disenfranchised. They felt they weren't being represented. And you got to go out there and talk to them. What did you find? Yeah, they felt completely betrayed. Um, a lot of tears, a lot of heartbreaking stories of people who had just been ignored. One woman uh, who comes to mind is Sabine mm. Durden, uh, an awesome woman who lost her son, Dominic, to an illegal immigrant, hit and run. The individual was not supposed to be in this country. She begged to talk to her leaders, mailed letters to to the first lady. The first lady, uh, her office responded, and I'm talking at this point of Michelle Obama, responded with a form note after she had poured out her heart about the death of her son. By contrast, when President Trump heard her story, not via the media, he just gathered this group of individuals in a hotel room, heard their story. She said, he cried with us. He cared about me. The day they, they dedicated a portion of the trail of a trail to my son, he personally handwrote me a letter. None of this is for President Trump's own acknowledgement. No one knew these stories. But this yeah. woman telling me these stories, this was someone who listened to her for the first time. And beyond that, I think there is a sense that the, what goes on in Washington, they have no sense of what goes on in the middle of this country, right? That's exactly right. You know, we see this with a lot of our elected officials where they start to spend time in the swamp. And as years go by, they spend less time in their districts, less time at the town halls, more time in the swamp. It corrupts them. It changes them. 
and their voters are left behind. And even President Obama, to his credit, acknowledged this uh, when analyzing why Hillary lost. He said, we in the Democratic Party need to drink less lattes and go to more fish fries. He's right about that. (laughs) He's right. Now, you know Donald Trump. Obviously, you've spoken with him, I'm I'm sure, on many, many occasions. What about him that we don't know that, that perhaps we should? He's someone who cares deeply about other people. He has a side to him uh, that the me- that the mainstream media will never show you, never tell you about, and, and probably never see. But he's the man where when a Harlem basketball team lost their benefactor, um, he stepped up, paid for all of their jerseys. He's the man when he read in the newspaper about a bus driver uh, who, who, gave, who uh, stopped a, a woman from jumping off the cliff. Mm. He's called him into Trump Tower, gave him, I forget, $10,000, $15,000 check. This is a guy who deeply cares about people people has a soft side you'll never see it you'll never hear about it from the media let me just follow up on that is he as thin-skinned as people say he is because he does respond to criticism and it does seem to bother him no he's he's remarkably funny i think he takes things uh in stride a lot of times he's joking and and the media will run wild with that and 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 portray him as angry and menacing but Uh but he's a light-hearted guy he's he's funny smart and, and very kind-hearted so, you know, with with the election of President Trump, you know, it was this, you know, obviously it was the change of the career politician. And now we have a new guy who's never been in office before. And that seems like that's the criticism of Congress. Right. We have all these career politicians. You know, we had uh, Kramer out in uh, a Crowley mm-hmm. who was in who was, uh, in yeah. office for, what, 20 years or something like that. Yep. And people got tired of him. Um, and it seems like there's going to be more and more career politicians losing their seats. But do you think that might be, you know, do you think that that's what's going to follow now, now that President Trump's in office? Do you think there's going to be a new shift into just a whole new guard of congressmen and senators? Not even just from, you know, the Democrats or the Republicans on both sides, you know, because you're you're in there meeting with all these people. What are you what are you seeing? You know, I think Trump has set a new model of what an elected official needs to look like. And that's someone that remains loyal to the promises they have made on the campaign trail. You know, he Heritage Foundation recently reported he's achieving the conservative agenda at a rate outpacing Ronald Reagan. Everything he says on the campaign trail, he is doing now. There are no flip-flops. You can't make a flip-flop accusation Mm -hmm. against President Trump. He's the first politician to do that. Most people will say things to appease their right-wing base, go into office, and then just say, forget about it. He didn't do that on the travel ban. He didn't do that uh, on immigration. He didn't do that on building the wall. He has set a new standard. What you say, you actually have to go do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a whole new brand of politicians who are actually accountable to their voters. Mm -hmm. So how do you see the midterms coming out, Kaylee? It's, it's, what, four months away now. It's it's getting close. But it's getting closer and closer. And we were told about this, you know, the blue wave and what have you. I sense a change of direction. I really do. And I think with the economy booming, that could be a real plus for the Republican candidates. That's right. I mean, the economy will determine the election. To quote James Carville, it's the economy stupid uh, a democratic operative there but he's spot on and the economy's yeah. never been better i mean you talk about it every day on, on varney and co right. uh when we're talking about four possibly five percent gdp that changes things and, and it changes things in favor of republicans and when you combine that with uh, a supreme court nominee judge kavanaugh that that completely revs up our base it excites them and what also excites them and motivates them to turn out is seeing socialists elected across the country, like Ocasio-Cortez here in New York, mm-hmm. not too far from here. Uh, and, and all across the country, we're seeing this rabid, angry leftist like Maxine Waters winning elections. Yeah. And that's, as you say, that's got to be good news for the GOP because the Democratic Party really is 
split right now. Yeah. You had the Bernie Sanders effect in 2016, uh, this push to the left. And as you say, with the latest uh, uh, poll results, it appears to me that they have a choice, the Democrats. Do they continue to go left or do they split apart? Either way, that's got to be good for the GOP. Mm-hmm. Good for the GOP. And some advice to uh, my friends over at the DNC, the Democratic Party. You know, if you want to win elections, you win elections with guys like Connor Lamb. He is the mm. individual who won in a Pennsylvania district. Yeah. He is a Trump poser. He said, I am actively running against Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> yes. And by the way, I kind of like that Trump guy. <laughs> that that wins, you know, being a Trump poser. What doesn't win is radical left. Well, that was more... Pelosi being toxic, yeah. I think, more yes, than anything else. But to your point, that's true. Yeah. Um, before – I just want to step aside from politics quickly, Kaylee. I should mention you were married last year, right? That's right. How on earth – and your <laughs> husband is a professional baseball player, right? That's right. Crisscrossing the country every day. He's in a new city, basically. And so are you. Yes. So do you guys – you know, you're still kind of in your honeymoon period here, but do you get to see him much? Oh, yeah. Every weekend I go to wherever he is, and it's the coolest thing wow. because I'm going to uh, cities like Norfolk, Virginia, and Colorado Springs, and Memphis, Tennessee, and all these you know yeah. cool little towns across the country. And I leave the swamp, and I leave Manhattan, and I get to go to just the heart of the country and be with him and also talk to people. Who's he awesome. with? Which organization is he with? So now? he was just picked up by the Baltimore, Baltimore Orioles, right? Uh, and he's on their AAA team. Very good. So you do get to see these small towns, which I is do. great. And you yes. get free tickets. That's even better. <laughs> I get you guys are welcome anytime. Oh, thank oh. you. Oh. Now we're talking. Yeah. Now I knew there was a reason why we invited her. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get back. I just wanted to talk to you, too, on the international front. You know, there's been so much made of, of Donald Trump upsetting our allies while cozying up to our enemies. Um, but there's always a method to the madness, I always feel, with Donald Trump. He knows what he's doing. The art of the deal and a lot of what he says is true. NATO should be paying up. There's absolutely no reason why Greece should be paying its 2%, and Germany isn't, if you look at those two economies. That's exactly right. You know, the average American, if you don't pay your utility bill, that utility's canceled. He's mm-hmm. setting the same standard for NATO. You don't pay your bill, you don't get access to the greatest military resources in the world. Fair. And, and people misunderstand Trump. They misunderstand the fact that he is a negotiator. He's not an appeaser. And everything he does is a means to a further end. You know, being friendly with Russia is a means to forging a better relationship. Calling North Korea's leader Rocket Man was a means toward <laughs> getting the hostages back. And it worked. It was but brilliant. But his opponents go apoplectic. They, they just say, this is a wreck of a man. Yeah. He's all going to take us to dist- the very... You know, democracy of this country is threatened. The world is threatened. Especially after Helsinki. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, how do you explain such extreme reaction? It's it's crazy. The left always overreaches. And the left, I always incorporate the mainstream media in there, too. They always overreach. You can criticize Helsinki if you'd like to. But can we set a standard of of not talking about it in the terms of Pearl Harbor and 9-11 and (laughs) And terrorist attacks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They always overreach. If you want to make a logical argument, by all means. But if you Mm. want to make an insane one. I guess I should say some from the RNC, by all means, because you only help us Republicans. (laughs) (laughs) Very good point. So um, what's your outlook for the midterms? What's the most optimistic for, you know, outlook for you? (laughs) Obviously, I know what the most optimistic is, but traditionally those midterm elections are tougher on the incumbent party. Yes, they are. And this is why, you know, we level with our voters. Our chairwoman does. President Trump does. We level with our voters. We don't want to paint an optimistic picture and not 
encourage voters to turn out. So we we go with honesty at the RNC. And, and honestly, what we're looking at is is 10 Senate seats, states that Donald Trump won mm-hmm. by, by a lot of them by big margins. Uh, but there are vulnerable blue senators there defending their seats. So we think we can pick up a few seats in the Senate. The worry is the House. We've got to maintain our majority in the House. We're poised to lose seats. As you said, history is against us, but we've got to defy history. And if anyone can do it, it's this president has the highest own party approval rating of any president other than Bush during 9-11. So if anyone can, he can do it. What is your polling? What is your sense? What are you being told right now? So the generic ballot, um, that's, you know, a generic Republican versus Mm -hmm. a generic Democrat. The beginning of the year, it was anywhere from 16 to 20 points Democrats ahead. We've whittled it down now to just five in the latest Rasmussen that's impressive. Eight at Fox. But here's the thing. You know, people don't realize that the way congressional districts are set up, Democrats, they estimate, would need plus 11 to take back the House. So mm-hmm. we're looking good if we're at five or eight, right. but uh, not too good not to show up and vote. So yeah. as always, voter turnout is critical. Critical. Yeah. Can, you, can you fire up the GOP base? President Trump can. <laughs> I, he will be across this country, and he has this unique ability to just rally our voters and excite our voters. And so does Nancy Pelosi, which is why yeah. uh, in, the, in the election last Last night, uh, Martha Roby mentioned her five times in her last mailer because, as you yeah. said, you know, Pelosi's toxic. Yeah, so. carry on. Maxine mm-hmm. Waters, carry on. Yes. Can't carry on saying these outrageous for, things. For, for the voter turnout, you know, I, I always think because I'm a young conservative, I always think that there's a, a silent, a large silent group of, that we make up, you know, the mm-hmm. young conservative group. Because everyone always thinks that millennials are liberal. And I think there's a lot more young people that are conservative. They just don't yell about it on Facebook. So do you think that that base, that that population could be kind of a nice surprise once November comes, this silent group of conservatives that might actually give you a push? Yes, uh, and I hope so, because millennials are crucial. This will be the first election where millennials make up the majority eligible voting age of the population. They estimate that 2020 will be the first year millennials will be the most to actually come out and vote. It's crucial to win them. Uh, And underlying that, we see some pretty encouraging signs. In the latest Zogby poll, President Trump's numbers up with millennials. CNN poll, he gained, I think it was eight percentage points among millennials. Very simple answer as to why. For a decade, the millennials were shot shut out of the job market. I remember on my mm-hmm. college campus, people graduating with Georgetown degrees, they can't find a single job, none. Eligible people, yeah. they were yeah. shut out. Uh, but that's changed under this president, and they're waking up, and yeah. some are realizing it. Some are becoming like socialists like Ocasio-Cortez, <laughs> but I think yeah. a lot are waking up. When I was graduating, people were had jobs waiting for them for six months. They yeah, held not, it for them. Yeah, not yeah. anymore. They just have a lot of student debt, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, oh yeah. That, <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. And, and Kayla, you, you remind me, you are a lawyer. You got your law degree. Have you used it? I have not used it. <laughs> and what do your parents well, I, you think when what? they see you on television? Are they like, I could never imagine that Kaylee was going to end up doing this. Do they say that to you? They don't because they knew that that I got my <laughs> law degree by, by design. And I've got to tell you, I, I take that back. I yeah. have used it okay. because – at CNN, you know, you got to be equipped with counter arguments. You yeah. got to think like a lawyer if you're going to go up against eight <laughs> people. And so I use the skill set, though not the the degree and the credential. Right. Very yes. good. But again, I just want to get back. What do your parents think about what you do? They they must see you on TV all the time. Where do, where do they live down in Florida? They do. And they love it. You know, I was raised, born and raised a Republican, riding in my dad's truck, listening to Rush Limbaugh at the, uh. the ripe <laughs> age of eight, became a, a very excited uh, political person, yeah. um, gluing signs to, to the golf 
golf course house that said, don't vote for Bill Clinton. I mean, I, I was that's into in it at blood. a young age. Wow. It's in yeah. my blood. And, and they're excited. They <laughs> love this president. They're so excited about him. And, and they just support what I do wholeheartedly. That's fascinating. What about your husband? Oh, he is further right than I am. So is that <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. He's no, he's a Levinite, as he says. He loves Mark Levin. He's so yeah. pumped. Loves the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, he he's just uh, he's very supportive of the president. He was a big Ted Cruz guy, and then became a big Trump guy. After yeah, that. How did, you, how did you meet him? By the, yeah, exactly. How did you meet him? Uh, okay, so that's embarrassing. Twitter. No, it's not. That's <laughs> Twitter. Great. Twitter. <laughs> How all the millennials do things. Yeah. Very modern. <laughs> Very good. I'm a hop on there. <laughs> yes. Now I got to ask too. You know, the you're the you're basically you know one of the major faces of the Republican Party, and you are a young, not just a young face, but you're also a young female face. And obviously, you know, we all know the stereotype is a bunch of old guys, right? What is it like for you to be, you know, a young face and a young a young person and a young woman to be the face of the RNC? I think it's important. Um, the millennial generation isn't really represented well in Congress. Um, we, they're not represented well at a lot of levels of politics. And I think it's important as a party to say, hey, we're listening to you. We care. Therefore, we're making our spokesperson someone who can relate to you, someone mm-hmm. who's been there, someone who's a female. This is an, I think it's important to have that at the GOP and our chairwoman, too, being a female, being a working mom. I mean, it's incredible what she yeah. does. Families in Michigan, but she's working in D.C. and crisscrossing the country. Uh, we're not the party of just, you know, old men, as some say. We're the party of new faces, mm-hmm. young faces, and female faces. Yeah, and it is uh, and it is remarkable, too, that, you know, you're so young and that you're a major and you're the face of, you know, the party in power right now. I think there's got to be something said about that, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, and you're very good. As I say, you're always very bright and smile, and no matter what question's being thrown mm-hmm. at you, I mean, obviously, after a while, you kind of get it down a little bit and you believe in what you're talking about, which is the most critical thing. If you don't, you're going to get caught out because viewers are very smart. Um, You clearly believe in in your message. Let's put it that way. Um, I want to jump ahead a little bit to 2020. Uh, I just read the other day, Joe Biden is thinking, "Hmm, maybe I'll jump in. Um, What about Hillary Clinton? There's thoughts that she might jump back in in 2020 now. Wouldn't that be something? Maybe even Bernie too. Yeah. Please. Well, oh. I don't think the Democrats would let that <laughs> No, <happen>. no. <laughs> well, it's funny because you look at the candidates and I, I say, you know, there's two buckets. There's establishment elitism, mm-hmm. you know, hence Hillary Clinton, hence Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi. And then there's radical socialism, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Neither are good options. Yeah. So we welcome these candidates, specifically <laughs> Hillary. Please come. You know, you continually step on your message. You continually make gaffes. You're a bad candidate. Well, so does candidate. Joe Biden, for that matter. So does Joe Biden. Yeah. He's a gaff machine. But, yeah. you know, people, Hillary Clinton's good at one thing, and it's losing mm. elections. She lost 2008 to an unknown guy named Barack Obama, who became president. Uh, she lost nearly to a socialist in the primary last time around, and she lost to Donald Trump. So if she wants to lose a fourth time, we welcome her. But she can't let it go, can she? She cannot. <laughs> it's Roman in the woods somewhere still thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, Chappaqua. Yes. Uh, fascinating. Well, listen, um, Thank you so much, Kelly. I know you're you're busy, and I'm just so glad we've able to to squirrel you away into this studio to talk to us. Um, uh, what's the typical? Before I let you go, what's a typical day for you? Obviously, this is a big part of it. You're on TV, you're on radio, you're doing podcasts. Um, how busy are you? 
It can be uh, sleepless. Um, so there are days I wake up at. I've had to do 2.30 a.m. wake-up calls before for uh, in oh the early goodness. shows uh-huh. um, and, and sometimes go until midnight. And in between wow. TV, I'm packing in usually eight radio shows. It's really important for me to go on local radio because that's what most voters are listening to, their local radio show, mm-hmm. um, and pinning op-eds in between. So it's, oh, my uh, goodness. And you travel around the country? On. Travel around the country. And, um, you know, so you're based in D.C.? Based in the swamp. Um, changing that with this president but uh-huh. yeah based in the swamp and, and travel a lot how do you how do you keep yourself going with that because that's an incredible schedule lots of coffee <laughs> <laughs> and knowing that come november when we have those expanded majorities uh-huh. everything is worth it yeah. yeah and let's not forget president trump is no ordinary president i don't know where he gets his energy from we yeah. saw it on the campaign trail mm-hmm. it's remarkable i go to the airport and i take a flight i'm exhausted by the time i get there just with the whole process now i know he's taking he's not flying commercial but however <laughs> just being in the air all the time i just don't yeah. know where he gets his energy from i know and he never sleeps he wakes up early it's goes crazy. to bed late and you know every year I get older and I'm only 30 right now I feel like I, I'm less able to operate more the next yeah. year than the year before and for him he just gets younger and gets it's, more energy yeah. it's incredible whatever he's eating or drinking I want some of it yes, same, sure. Kaylee McEnany the uh, spokesperson for the Republican National Committee thank you so much for joining us thank today. you for having me guys it was terrific great. really enjoyed it and thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next time on the podcast pull up a chair and join me Rachel Campos Duffy and me former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.